You're tuned in to RX Radio. Movement prescribed. Brought to you by Prescript.com. A personalized approach to keeping you healthy and making your best even better. Your hosts, Dr. Jordan Shallow and Dr. Jordan Jinta. Stressing okay. the fuck out. Make, make a quiet one, guys. It's not that hard, right? I don't know. They have one job. Just why does it have to sound like like? Uh... But it's really nice when you forget that it's on and you turn it off and you're just like. My yeah, day doesn't you don't know start. Why you've been fucking like yeah. annoyed. Yeah. And you're like, but your oh, traps fucking are fucking tight. And you're the just fan's still on. Yeah. Got to get moving fucking quicker. My day doesn't start until that fan shuts off. Yeah, that's brutal. Like, I, I hit my alarm. I know I'm awake, but I'm not. I'm like my day doesn't start <laughs> until the vent. Hood range fan. Turn. Same with the kettle. Especially if you're boiling water, kettle's on, coffee machine, and the microwave's fan. gone. Yeah. I'm like shell- <laughs> I'm like hiding under the fucking couch until shit's done. It's like oh I'm clearly God. not adapted well enough for real adult life if I can't manage the stressors that come with breakfast. What are you, what are you uh, boiling in the morning? Eggs. Uh, is that okay in the kettle I, I thought no, 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 kettles for coffee <laughs> I thought and you were egg. I thought you were doing a pour over coffee no see I can't like do that Ginger does the Chemex thing and it's just like I don't, I don't what's know. Chemex that's what, like that's the pour over thing that's like the name of it uh, do you actually pour over your hip is fucked yeah you're, oh. dude I hold a camera bro yeah, yeah look he's got he's got mid calf socks and well, no, vans that's on just, that's just because he fr- doesn't like training calves dude 100% it's a California calf workout <laughs> man that's like I literally this is the only pair of ankle socks I have and I have forearms bigger than my fucking calves it's an issue dangerous but you're I, wearing uh, high top shoes that helps yeah oh, it's a strategy or does it draw more it's all attention? about drawing the eye it's just it's a sleight of hand because that's way easier than just training calves I thought I was getting interrogated on the whole breakfast thing no, Steffi's not here. Oh, I just get worried because he's here. Why? What's wrong with me? Well, the whole like diet thing. I was so nervous. I microwave my breakfast. Come on. Yeah, How 100%. is it that you're like the leanest guy here, yet seemingly over the past 48 hours? Uh, because like, I am the most asshole. simplest person when you it comes to the kitchen. Any, like a day to day. He's also uh, always thinking about energy balance too. Uh, I'm thinking about like, how much I'm consuming and then how can I fit something in later on that I actually want or stay satiated is like my number one goal. Give me like a day, day in the life. Day Jessica. in the life. Um, I wake up at six, I get into the kitchen and I start cooking. And what my cooking process looks like is I grab a, a couple Tupperwares, I throw some oatmeal in a bowl, microwave it for a couple minutes, take it out, add some egg whites and protein powder, put it back in. And as that's going, I get the vegetable scramble going. Cut up some veggies, put that in another bowl, add the egg whites, put it in the microwave, microwave that for six minutes. Um, so it's just like a whole process that I go through in the morning. While that's all going, I'll get on the treadmill and I just start my day because I, I find that when I'm walking, I, uh, I wake up. Um, I'm more alert and I'm more focused when I get back to when I start work. And I have all my meals prepared so I don't have to think about the kitchen, don't have to think about food, don't have to think about anything except uh, getting the things I need to get done during the day done. Do you worry about EMF? What's EMF? Exactly. Uh, what is it? I don't even know what it stands for. Like, I had a buddy of mine who's so up, like, this fucking... He's so gone down the rabbit hole that, like, when like, I go to his house, I have to plug in his microwave. Like, electromagnetic? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that. Oh. Is that concerning? No. Like, at what point, like, because it's, I mean, it's simplicity seems to be the approach. At what point are you, like, where do you draw the line in majoring in the minor? 
like macronutrition to micronutrition versus total calories in like uh, are you worried so much about hitting a certain macronutrient ratio like um for me it's more about calorie balance but i emphasize protein and carbohydrates um, I have a range of calories that I'll stay within and I'll eat within that range based on how I'm feeling satiation-wise, um, what's going on in my life. If I'm really busy, I'll probably eat less, but I try to have a protein goal. Uh, I try to get more carbs in uh, or try to get most of my calories from carbs after that. And then whatever my fats are within that calorie range, I'll just stay within. You run a similar thing? Yeah. I haven't seen either of you track. Like for those of you listening who didn't follow our up-to-date live on-demand 26-hour marathon – of me sleeping in the back while <laughs> Jesco drove. Like, you guys didn't track, like, I didn't see an app, I didn't see a MyFitnessPal. Is it all just, like, logged upstairs? Uh, when, when you've been doing it for a really long time, it's you get a pretty good idea of, you know, you have a steak, you can roughly know how much uh, protein and fat you had there, uh, and that if you eat fatty things in the morning, for example, you're going to have to adjust by eating things that have less fat in the afternoon to stay within, like, rough goals that you have. Um, so when we're traveling and doing stuff like that, I'm not being crazy strict and weighing my food and all that sort of stuff, but, uh, you still have a pretty good idea of what, uh, what your macros, what macros you're trying to hit and then what sort of macros all the different meals make up over the course of the day. Now, both of you guys, I mean, obviously worked in nutrition coaching for how long, like six, seven years? About that time, yeah. Because you guys, did you guys start together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, give me the, give me the rundown because we've talked in the past about like hybrid from like the training standpoint, but we never really got into nutrition. Like, give me the lineage of how hybrid nutrition kind of came to be. Um, so Chesco and I both, uh, worked at another company, uh, for nutrition years before Chesco was our head nutrition coach there as well. Um, when I started hybrid and left, uh, we focused on the training aspect and building that for a long time. And then we wanted to do nutrition as well because they couple together obviously really nicely and they're both super important for athletes. Uh, and it was really a no brainer to bring him on. He's in my opinion, one of the most knowledgeable guys in the fitness industry in terms of nutrition. He'll never admit that though. He's way too humble. Um, but, um, yeah, it, w- it was our goal. We decided to launch, uh, on January 1st of last year, new year's. Cause that's when, uh, everybody's looking to make a change typically, uh, in, many aspects of life, but especially in regards to fitness. So we offered that. Um, Chesco actually didn't come on board until... April last year. I think it's my one-year anniversary. Yeah? Yeah. Happy anniversary. Oh, thank you. We got to celebrate. Got to celebrate. fucking cauliflower vegetables, whatever the fuck we have to get at Whole <laughs> Bring them, I'll eat them. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, we, we, we started it, uh, ran it for a few months. Um, I wanted to bring Chesco on because he has... Uh, really good approach he's really organized uh and he also i didn't have the time to dedicate to the nutrition side of things um or didn't have as much time as i wanted so um like because of all the other aspects of the business so uh when he came on he did a total overhaul um put a lot of different systems in place to keep all the coaches organized uh do various different meetings he's in charge of continuing education so he's enrolling our nutrition coaches in courses constantly um and giving them homework so they're always up to date on the latest research and all that stuff um anything else you want to add he works with our software developers as well so whenever we want something added to the uh nutrition software that's how our program delivered um 
as you know. Yeah. You log into the portal. Uh, you see your sort of page with all your history uh, since you joined the program, uh, what your macros are, your check-in, all that kind of stuff. He's constantly working with our software developers to make that more user-friendly on both sides. We have ideas of additional information that would be uh, interesting or helpful. He helps them figure out a way to work that in. Um, what else do you do? Uh, if there's a problem, you talk to me, yeah. and I try to solve it. Now, when it comes to like... I mean, the superimposition of nutrition and hybrid training with, like, your nutrition offering. What what problems do you see the most with people who gravitate towards strength sports and, like, their biases or their misconceptions when it comes to nutrition? Um, I mean, the classic powerlifting one that you always see where mass moves mass and people are just trying to eat, like, assholes yeah. uh, to gain weight and they think it's going to help their, their training. Uh, that's probably the the most obvious one. Um, what do you think? You can't gain strength in a deficit. Oh, yeah. That's sure. a really big one. Um, High-protein diets. People are just consuming way more protein than they need, um, thinking they need more energy than they need to, to train. Um, yeah, probably also the impact of carbs on actual strength training, too. People uh, always are thinking they're using up their glycogen stores when they're you know they're nowhere near that. They think they're carb depleted because they didn't have 200 carbs right before training. You're confusing hunger with depletion, right? And it's more when you're in a deficit, carb timing or meal timing in general around your training is really important uh, because nobody likes to train when they're feeling hungry. Um, so having a little bit during your training or just having enough before your training is obviously ideal. So, like, walk me through. I mean, I know firsthand, and I've been working with Ian now since January. These guys work cut out. Or maybe we'll talk the psychological side down the line, mm-hmm. but walk me through like the onboarding process for someone to get started with hybrid nutrition. Like what's what's the process like on their end just logistically, but more so like what's the thought process on the back end as far as like, okay, you're you're this type of athlete, you want to get to this body weight or you have this competition. Like where do like when the wheels start spinning on your end, like how do you guys rank order and prioritize information you guys get from clients? Uh Really, people sign up. We have a questionnaire. It's pretty in-depth. And basically what, what we look for is uh, any information that they can tell us. We kind of talk, um, read in between the lines. So people will answer questions, and they'll say one thing, but it could really mean another. Um, so it's all about thinking about the person as an individual and what's actually going on in their lives. They say they want to lose fat, but are they in a place to lose fat at the pace that they want to lose fat? Um, average Joe might be ha- a dad, have three kids. Uh, working X amount of hours, only getting in the gym twice a week, but he wants to have abs, whatever. Um, so it's important to be realistic with that person and then come up with a plan that's actually possible for this person to follow. Um, a big thing that we kind of talk about as a team is what might be optimal might not be optimal for that person. Um, so people sign up, they give us that questionnaire, we go through it, and then we have a, a bit of a discussion with them on whether their goals are realistic. And then we kind of give them a plan that is appropriate for them. Um, and that will depend on their dieting experience, what's going on in their lives, um, and what their goals are. Some people might be really great and gravitate to flexible dieting, um, which is de- uh, dependent on who you're talking to, what that means. It has a lot of different definitions. Um, our idea of flexible dieting is uh, mainly eating whole foods, minimally processed, and then if you want something here and there, totally fine. There's no foods that are off limits. It's not black and white. Um, it's all context. So it's uh, the context of your entire diet that matters, not the few things here and there that you eat during the day or uh, a week or a weekend. 
Um, sometimes we'll just do behaviors, tell people to focus on protein, have vegetables with every meal, um, stuff like that. I find the biggest thing is like, because I know, I mean, nutrition, not my wheelhouse. That's why I kind of went, went to Ian. We had a discussion over last Christmas break and in paralleling what I know to be more my wheelhouse and like biomechanics, it's like, don't overcomplicate things. Like the worst thing you could do when you're training someone is give them too many cues. So like, how do you filter out and, and simplify and then order which to prioritize for which person? You have to know who you're talking to, yeah. uh, know your audience. Somebody might ask you a question that sounds scientific, but really they just want to know that you know what you're talking about and you're telling it in a way that you know that it's going to be receptive. Uh, receptive well, like you know, talking to me, I know nothing about biomechanics. Uh, <laughs> you just going off and telling me um, how to squat and going through all the cues and the muscles that I'm using and the anatomy or whatever, I wouldn't understand it. But if you just told me, like, sit back, whatever, and that, that's a squat, I would totally understand. Um, so it's just knowing where that person is, again, um, and just uh, talking to them in a way that they're going to understand and, and really receive what, uh, what you're saying. Of what you guys do, how much is psychological? 95%. Say that much, right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is that difficult using the medium of like email correspondence? Like you mentioned reading between the lines. Is this just something that comes with experience if you guys haven't over like a decade of doing this? It comes with experience, but you have to be a people person. Um, there's a great book by Ben Bergeron uh, called The Art of Coaching. Have you read it? Heard yeah. about it? Yeah, it's a fantastic book. Um, but it it's really goes over like knowing who you're talking to and uh, being able to communicate in a way that sympathizes, empathizes, and understands the person. Um, and approaching them in a way that, again, that they'll receive well. Um, doing that over the, an email or just a check-in or whatever is really difficult. And that's why the art of coaching is like so important on our platform. We don't get to talk to that person, so we have to be able to uh, convey our message in a way that they'll understand in one go. And, they, and tone is so important. You know, you say one thing, the person might think you're a complete dick. Or, another, or they might read it as, uh, you know, you're just being friendly with them. For sure. And also to go back to what you were saying before about uh, prioritizing, I think that uh, the approach we take in flexible dining, even in general, sort of teaches people to put the big rocks in the jar, being that you're prescribing the macronutrients. So right there, every check-in, they're getting a set of numbers that's telling them this is the most important thing uh, that you hit to come within an appropriate range of these numbers. And then we worry about all the other things like dialing in eating like eating out and how to do that and micronutrients and fiber and all those other things so uh, there is like that inherent uh, prioritization that just comes naturally from doing this type of dieting uh, and then comes all the other stuff that you were talking about too do you see a big difference between the mindset of those people who are maybe more competitive like competitive strength athletes versus the mindset of someone who's just kind of you know, nine to five weekend warrior, that kind of thing. We talk about it all the time uh, because it's actually really interesting and it's cool to have those coaching calls that we have because we get to discuss all the various different types of uh, clients. We have a, a coaching call every other week where we do just that, talk about what came up over with different clients and what were the struggles and all how that we sort of stuff. How handled it, how other people would have handled it and just go back and forth. And um, I always have found that the really elite athletes, they're either the best clients in the world or they're the worst because you either get the person who is so committed to getting every last little bit of a competitive edge they can out of everything that they're going to do exactly what you tell them. You could tell them to wake up at two in the morning every night and do 20 jumping jacks and go back to sleep and they're going to do it with, without question. But then you also get 
the other end of the spectrum of really good athletes who it's either come easy to, uh, or they, they just feel like they have, uh, enough knowledge on their own, uh, that they don't really need to listen. They're like, I I've been doing this my way so long and I've gotten to this level. And even though they fit, even though they just because they're doing great, doesn't mean they couldn't be performing better. I think a lot of the times they, they just overlook that. They're like, Oh, at what I'm doing is working. So they make less of an effort to make the changes that coaches are telling them to make. And that's across the board where it's like you see squandered potential in athletics. It's because you just have this genetic, like you never had to work for it. It's like when it comes easy and then you see the guy who's like, dude, like you should not be trying to pursue this sport. But they, they always end up winning because like they're the up at 2 a.m. Do what you say, run through a wall, how many times kind of crowd. Because it's like even with, I mean, in the strength conditioning field, it's like you see people and you just look at them like, holy fuck, like you're just a loaded gun. And then there's the laziest fucking kids. It's like, dude, if I had like a, like an eighth of the potential in your genetics, like you just look at him, you're like, motherfucker. Yeah, you're you're a different. We were talking about yeah, before. Yeah. Like you're just, just a different species of human. You're just built. We were like we're talking about Ian. Uh, Ian's one. Yeah. Uh, Will. Um, Crozier. Crozier. Yeah. The, uh, the yeah, those guys. You stand next to them, and you're just like, we're not the same yeah, thing. Like, you're just a whole different animal. And that's what got me into it. Was like was getting to know Ian and like watching him. Like we were on a boat after a showdown and this fucking guy had like a feed bucket strapped to his chest the entire time. I was like, okay, what's a feed bucket? We just had like a massive (laughs) Tupperware container of like spinach and kimchi and other shows. Like, all right, this guy, this guy, if I'm going to listen to one person when it comes to nutrition, I'm going to listen to this guy who just like matched my PR deadlift at a body weight, like 60 pounds lighter. So it's like how much, I guess how I'm, the point I'm trying to make is how do you how do you establish buy-in, and how important is buy-in, and how do you do that online? Like I I was bought in because I you know, I've known you guys for years. I got to know Ian, and it's like okay, here let's let's do this. How how do you guys get that or get that message across to get buy-in through clients online? You guys results, know, results, results, and that'll come in so many different ways. Um, a lot of people just feel better from eating or just paying more attention to their diet. What's something that they'll do is right off the bat when they start is start, they do a complete overhaul with their food choices, which we don't suggest, but they just tend to do. They'll just stop eating the junk and just start eating quote unquote clean. Um, or so they say, so they'll just feel better right off the bat from that, lose weight or whatever. But uh, a big buy-in that we'll do or that we'll see is like weight loss right off the bat. So we'll take a more aggressive approach off the beginning and get them to see really great results and then taper up or taper down the deficit. Uh, choice of words, but uh, lessen the deficit so that they can have a more sustainable calorie balance. But getting them results right off the bat is like so, so important. And also just being, um, having that communication, you know, going back and forth, like letting them know that uh, just because we are an online platform that they can speak to us and they will get a response um, that is worth the money that they're paying. You know, it's not just a few sentences or a one-liner, like we're having real discussions. How do you guys overcome people's predetermined biases towards like style or like diet identities as I call them like keto carnivore paleo like do people come to you with like hey I want to do this but I'm or even like maybe religious purposes like vegetarian or something like that oh absolutely we'll meet them in the middle yeah um so if somebody's coming from a keto diet we don't work with people who are keto but most of those people um have tried keto and have failed and or just didn't fail or they didn't feel like they were gotten the res- they got the results they wanted so they're already open to trying something new um, so they're already used to a higher fat diet. So that's what we'll start them. 
It's all relative what high fat is, low carb, moderate carb, whatever. But we'll start them somewhere where they feel comfortable. And then we'll try to get them closer to where we want them to be or where we think that they should be. But if they're seeing results, it's, it's calories in, calories out. So if we can just get them to adhere to the deficit or maintenance or surplus that they need to see the results they need or they want, then that's what we'll do. What do you feel are the most egregious um, trends in nutrition these days? Like with, with I mean, oh, you don't have to be totally I mean, there, PC, but like, like, like there's a lot. carnivore, keto... <laughs> Um, th- or even like terms like uh, insulin resistance, insulin sensitivity, uh, importance of macronutrient timing, like all the different infighting that's been going on um, kind of like in the biggest stages of social media in the last year or so. It seems like um, I think with ketogenic diets and um, like cancer research and things like that, it's really kind of blown up. Like you see Norton on Rogan talking. It's like, when did you ever think you'd see that? Or like Dom Diagostino or something like that. What or the Bell think? Brothers. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Dr. Bell's going on there and talking about <laughs> nutrition. But like, what do you think to be the most egregious? Just from a point of like, this is hurting people. Oh, I mean, there's some that are just so ridiculous that I can't even imagine a rational person would buy into them. Like I, what was the, I saw this one called, I think it was called the snake. Snake oil diet? Or snake juice or something. It basically is this guy, he just, he just goes on Instagram or whatever other platforms he has and just screams at people to uh, basically just stop eating and to drink salt water, right? Is that the, the premise of it? I don't know. It's pretty crazy and uh, definitely really dangerous. Obviously, people are going to lose a ton of weight not eating. Um, but, I mean, that one's so far and left field i feel like well i mean he's got a lot of followers I yeah think, but i mean hopefully not a lot of people are buying into it seriously and they're yeah. just following him because it's silly um i don't know what, what do you think what's what's the most common thing that people are coming to us and saying uh, just that they're just way wrong about or you know, that they've heard other places the people that come to us kind of already have a good foundation or like understanding of nutrition that's what makes our job so much easier um but to go back to that, I, I think fit teas are probably the funniest thing and, and detoxes and cleanses. I don't understand how people can really buy into that. Um, well, I mean, I get it. Like you lose a whole lot of weight quickly and here's this magic secret pill or process that you just lose all this weight so fast. Um, but that's probably the most dangerous and outrageous that, uh, that I see online. And it's like just everywhere. What do you, what do you think you attribute that to? Like it's Every it, magazine it, at every grocery store? Or like attribute... The yeah, buy-in too. Yeah. What, is it well, just it's easy if you think you can drink uh, three juices a day for a week and you're going to lose ten pounds. Like, oh, sure, sign me up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, it sounds great, right? Um, and, and it's the I think it's the easy buy-in and the hope of results that that messes with people on those because uh, you know, of course, you're going to reduce your calories drastically. You're you're going to be drinking only juice. You're going to have diarrhea most likely so you're going to be dehydrating yourself too uh and and you're going to see a result but you know everybody knows you you finish that you go back to your normal life and everything also goes back to normal you're going to put that weight back on you're going to do all those things uh that you normally do um and yeah i think uh i think that's why why it appeals to people yeah, it's just in your face. Like I said, going back to the grocery store, you yeah, see all these everywhere. celebrities lost thirty pounds, lost fifty pounds, lost seventy five pounds in X period of time. It's just it's in your face. It's everywhere. Do you guys ever feel compelled as like I mean, what I would look? I mean, I look to you guys as 
an authority in the fitness industry with training and nutrition. That's obviously why like I align with you guys, especially for the nutrition side of things. It's like if you ever feel an authority to I don't want to say call out, but you see a lot of that now where it's like people are going out of their way to call out other bad whether it's misinformation or massage research or people selling snake oil fit tea shit. Is it hard to sit back and bite your tongue and just be results driven and let your work speak for yourself? Or do you guys ever feel compelled to be like, whoa, 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 what's going on over here? I I think all you can really do is just provide the best information that you can. I think uh, calling people out directly is just super negative and it's not something I don't want to fill my own day with negativity. So I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to go after people because uh, the, the source of the problem isn't the individual to begin with. You know, a lot of those people have bought into those things because they actually believe in them and they're, they are providing bad information and it can be dangerous, but it's not them. It's the information that they're regurgitating. So if you can just provide better information or you can talk openly about why you disagree with certain diets instead of, you know, buying into the call-out culture that we see everywhere, I think that's a lot more uh, productive. You're not creating enemies. Hopefully rational people uh, who listen to the information you have can make up their own mind and and see that you're providing good information. And uh, especially when you you have a, a pretty large platform like we do across, you know, YouTube and Instagram and with Steffi's channel, uh, mine, hybrids, Chesco's, everybody's, uh, we can reach a lot of people. And I think the impact of doing that's a lot better. And you're going to get uh, a following that's more open anyway by doing that as opposed to getting people who are going to follow you or subscribe to your channel just because they want to see you roast people. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think just, you know. Staying in your lane, so to speak, is the uh, <laughs> see what he did there. <laughs> Clever is uh, Man, the best approach. Oh god, okay, we'll tell you all. Tell you. God right. bless your heart, Jessica. Don't ever change. Um, now, sp- sport performance wise, just for yourselves, right? We we all compete in weight controlled sports. At what point? And I mean, I know I'm I'm guilty of this. At what point for you in your own lives are you guys willing to sacrifice performance for health, or is there dissonance ever? Like, I got to lose a lot of weight to get on a scale, to put it all back on, <laughs> to try and lift a lot of weight. For you, I mean, just personally for yourselves, is there a point where you're, okay, health's going to take a back seat. I've done everything I can up to this point. We're going to, you know, steer close to the sun, try and perform, and then get back in and regulate. Like, is there ever a point in your own training where you guys are willing to make that sacrifice? Or is there a sacrifice to be made? Is, is health top performance or is there a disconnect at the highest level uh i think well i think one it depends on the sport right like if you're talking about bodybuilding then yeah health and performance or uh uh readiness or they don't go hand in hand they're pretty much the opposite yeah uh in powerlifting um i think you can balance them pretty well uh when i started doing flexible dieting years ago i fell into the trap of like i'm just gonna hit my macros all that's all I need to do for uh, performance, and uh, you know, and it's more fun. So I'm going to do that. Uh, but you learn really quickly that that really does affect your performance. Yeah, I you can't just hit I'd your. Come over, and it'd be like late at night, and you'd be like, "I have 200 grams of protein." You grab a, egg, a carton of egg whites and drink that. You'd either chug it or just sip on it while we're hanging out watching movies. Right. So uh, I mean, you know, if you're not getting micronutrients and and all the things that your body actually needs to function like a proper person you're not going to function like a proper person 
And, uh, you know, it's easy to, to get into that trap because it's so appealing. Everybody wants to eat whatever things they want, make them fit these three numbers and, and perform great, but it's not the reality of it. Um, now my focus is a lot more health based and I think, um, I've seen a lot better, uh, performance because of it. And I mean, that's science and it's also uh, experience as well. Uh, it should be pretty obvious. But uh, it's not to a lot of people. Um, and, yeah, I, uh, I really think, you know, you feel better. Like you eat better, you feel better, you're going to perform better. And you can still work within uh, your macros to, to, to do that. You mentioned two things. You mentioned, obviously, health and performance being closely linked. And you also mentioned earlier about the call-out culture, like not yeah. wanting that negativity in your life. And the biggest thing that I've noticed in dealing with, dealing with Ian, with Ian dealing with me <laughs> Is how much, how much change gets prescribed outside of the realm of macronutrients? Like what, from like lifestyle standpoint, so what do you guys run into the most? What are your go-to like? I mean, even this thought of like just negativity, like that makes a huge difference in in what I find with my life, like body composition. Like I used to just fucking everyone needs to die right now, but it's like just getting rid of the shit and talking with Ian and being like, "What's your sleep like? How much sun are you getting?" Like. I feel like I'm talking to like a kindergarten teacher sometimes, but then you, <laughs> you go with the changes and the next week there's, there's a difference on the scale. What do you guys see as the biggest mindset or lifestyle changes that you have to overcome when dealing with clients online? Sleep and stress. So when people check in with us, we have them answer a couple questions. How are you feeling? What's your training and energy been like? Uh, uh, how have you been sleeping? How have you been, uh, have, have there been anything, any stressors? Stuff like that. And uh, what a lot of people don't realize is just how much stress and sleep go hand in hand and how that affects pretty much every aspect of your life. Uh, really stressed out, um, your appetite either goes down or it goes up, and depending what foods are around you, you may binge eat or have cravings, stuff like that. You have poor sleep, again, like your body is like looking for energy, and you just become the, this fiend for food and sugar and all these things. Um, so just being able to kind of get people to see the bigger picture and tell them not just see the bigger picture, but let them know that is the bigger picture, that these things are just as important as your nutrition. Um, referencing RP's book on, uh, on recovery, they have this really great pyramid um, that just kind of showcases the importance uh, of different modalities of recovery. And at the bottom, they go off into their MRV, so maximum recoverable volume. So staying within the, the amount of training that you can actually recover from. Don't overtrain like an idiot. Um, and then above that, I want to say it's like sleep. And then uh, above that, it's passive recovery and nutrition. Um, that are linked together. And then beside that, I think it's stress. Um, but like once your macronutrients or calories are in check, it's everything else that's really important. So you can only, rec or you can only perform as well as you can recover. Um, so really stressing that you need to get uh, adequate sleep. So having those conversations like Ian uh, had with you, or not just asking, are you getting enough sleep, but asking what their evening routine is. Like when we were driving down here together, I asked you, what's your evening routine? How many hours of sleep are you actually getting? What's going on? You told me that you needed to find a way to tell people fuck off on your phone so that you <laughs> yeah. can actually go to sleep. Um, so having that do not disturb function, turning off electronics after 7 o'clock, turning off lights, uh, just coming up with some sort of sleep routine to get you uh, ready for bed, get quality sleep, and actually sleep throughout the night. You know, if you know you have to wake up at 7 a.m., go to bed at like 11 so that you're getting that, that eight hours of sleep. Just having that routine in place and then asking them what are they doing to man manage the stress. Maybe just asking them to uh, tell you about their stressors. You know, just being able to talk to people, giving them that outlet um, is 
Oh, the dogs are dreaming underneath the table. <laughs> For those of you wondering, it's not my heavy breathing. It's dogs <laughs> snoring. I feel like I need to clear my name because yeah. I get called out for that a lot. Like, Jesus, shallow. Figure it out, man. <laughs> breathe it in the thing. It's like, actually, you good? Yeah, we're good. Um, yeah, so uh, managing stress. Managing stress. Just letting them know, uh, your client know that you are someone that they can vent to, talk to. You may not be able to give them advice or help them through their problems, but being able to talk to them is more is like... Being able to just talk and have an ear to listen to is, is so helpful. Um, so getting ways to manage stress, asking them what other uh, activities they can do to, to uh, alleviate stress if, it's, if they're turning to food right now or they're just running on empty because they're so stressed out. Mm-hmm. And that's going to affect everything else, their performance, their recovery, their uh, appetite, stuff like that. I'll text Ian and be like, dude, just give me my macros. Just don't even read. I just needed to yell <laughs> into the internet, just paragraph. And another thing, but it's just like, just give me my macros. Hey, no, man, we, we welcome that. And uh, the more information that anybody can give us, the, the more help we can give them because we can make more sense of what's actually going on. You know, like you didn't hit your macros this week and you give me no information. I have no idea why. I can't help you. But if you tell me like, oh, you know, like I, I got into this big fight with my boss and then I got stuck in traffic and then... Uh, I don't know, I go home and I'm fighting with my wife because I'm coming home late because I'm working late uh, because my boss and me are, are going at it or whatever. Um, that can tell us so much information as to why your appetite's down or why you're going to eat out so much or uh, eating on the go, for example, or just binge eating at home. Like that information is so helpful for us. So uh, we don't just prescribe macronutrients. Like we, we have discussions with our clients. Yeah. Now, outside of the tracking metrics of just macros and just personally kind of in your own life because we had this conversation yesterday because there's no fucking way you got 4,000 steps yesterday. I did. There's no way. Yeah, I did. You know what? I checked my phone too and how? I also had 4,000. I don't know how you did that. You know what? Your 4,000 steps were probably like gas break, gas break, gas break, <laughs> gas break for like 26 hours at a time. Yeah, but that'll do it. looking out outside of the box of um, just macronutrients, what biometrics do you guys find? And this is like devoid of uh, maybe like programming, but just kind of more for your own life and more for my own selfish curiosities, like steps, um, HRV, blood pressure, like blood labs. What do you guys track for like maybe a little bit more in-depth indicators of... Like, We're not doctors, so we don't ask for blood results. But we just ask, for yourself. Yeah. Uh, steps. Oh, for steps. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me. Um, like, what do you I got like? my Fitbit on and this thing tracks uh, my resting heart rate. Um, it's not the most accurate thing, but it gives me a gauge. Yeah. Um, so I, I track it every day. And that kind of tells me uh, whether, well, the data that I collect tells me whether I am poor, poorly slept, I'm feeling like shit, whatever. Um, and I know right now it's gone up over the last two days because I haven't slept. Usually it's around 57 every single day, but after a couple of days of really shitty sleep, it'll go up to 60. And that's when I know like I need to find a way to get myself back on track. What does that look like? What is like? Does that uh, do you tr- do you adjust your training? Do you adjust your nutrition? I you adjust know? my sleep. <laughs> it, it sleep seems to be the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Um, if I have poor sleep, my my heart rate goes up, and I just feel like garbage. And I can feel it myself. But then having that data kind of just reaffirms what I'm feeling. It's not just in my head; yeah. it's actually going on. Uh, and as far as our clients go, uh, we allow them to give us as little of that information as as they want, yeah. or as much as they want. And like Chesco said. Uh, we're not MDs, so we're not prescribing things or, you know, trying to, we're not, we can't write people scripts to go get things done or whatever. But uh, the more information in general that people give us, the better. So, you know, if we can get them to track their steps and then we have that data. So, you know, they wear a Fitbit or even if they just go off their iPhone, uh, we know what, get a general idea of how many calories they're burning a day just by walking around. Um, what else? Oh, I think he was asking you personally what, what you do. 
personally, yeah. uh, I, I honestly, I, I keep it pretty simple. Uh, I mean, I'll get my blood work done every once in a while. Um, I'll uh, track my steps. Um, I, I know, like in terms in terms of supplementation, um, people are. Uh, I like what uh, Stan Efferding's approach was, where he was talking about. I mean, a, a lot of people are talking about it now, but I feel like he helped to start the discussion on supplements, where people are just kind of taking them blindly without any direction, and they're like, "Oh, I hope." You know, this is just kind of like blanket sweep covering, you know, take a multivitamin and hope it fills the deficiencies that I have. But when you go and get your blood work done and you can find out what you're actually deficient in and then supplement those deficiencies with supplements, which is what they're intended for, uh, you can see a lot better results. A lot of people are deficient in vitamin D. I was too. You start taking vitamin D, all of a sudden you start feeling a lot better. Your training's going better. Um, sodium intake is another big one I think is important uh, prioritizing that before training and things like that uh, or stuff I do but uh, in general I keep it pretty simple I like to do things that I can always do uh, that don't get a wrench thrown in it when I travel or when I do other things or get taken outside of my normal routine now in the conversation of supplements is that a huge barrier to overcome with people like I know just in my experience in in clinical practice and dealing sort of on the peripheral of like people's nutrition, like it definitely has an effect on how pain manifests and, and the perception of pain in the body. So like looking at people's diets objectively from a pain standpoint and just seeing it's like, holy fuck, 80% of your day is powder mixed in water. Like, <laughs> is that a huge barrier to overcome in our space of getting people off supplements and onto, like you said, real food minimally processed? For sure. uh, well, I don't, wouldn't count protein as like, process like i mean it is a process but it's minimally processed and it's still you know the main ingredients are, are just whey protein yeah. um so if somebody's getting more protein or whey protein in their diet it's probably from a convenience standpoint if they can't get whole foods it's, uh, they can't afford lean protein sources then I, I think it's a perfectly acceptable thing to, to have in your diet um but if they can have those other pro- sources of protein from whole foods great we'll, we'll do that um, but as far as supplementations go, the, the struggle is trying to tell people that they don't need them. And that's always the first question we get. It's like, what supplements should I take? Well, you don't need any supplements. And like, the, the, we kind of just suggest, uh, suggest, not prescribe, suggest <laughs> that they take the, the basics. And the basics to us, or at least to me, is a generic multivitamin to cover any bases that they might be not getting from, from their diet. Because, yeah, okay, we're all getting a variety from our diet. Or a variety of nutrients, but we may not be getting certain things depending on uh, the season, where you're located, uh, your socioeconomic uh, situation, whatever. So that's a really easy way to just cover your bases. Um, creatine, five grams every day, any time of day for the rest of your life. Um, two, three thousand to five thousand. I use a vitamin D three, two to three grams of EPA and DHA from uh, a great uh, source like fish oil, and uh, that's pretty much it. That's the only supplements that we kind of push. Everything else is kind of not necessary. And again, like Aiden said, go get your blood work done. If you're deficient in something, then you can look into adding that in. But otherwise, keep it simple. Yeah, and I think I think it is an obstacle to overcome, though, because a lot of the times people come to us when other things haven't worked for them. You know, having a nutrition coach, although our process is about as, about, is about as easy a process as you can possibly have with a nutrition coach, it's less convenient than not having to check in with a coach. So people want to go to the supplement store and buy something and get results from that. And boom, it was a five-minute trip to the, the supplement store, and that's all you have to do, and now you're going to get the results that you want. Back to the 50. Exactly. Yeah. Same idea with that, right? Yeah. So it's it's a, a low 
requirement, a low buy-in, energy, time, and money-wise for people to get, well, money-wise, maybe not necessarily because some people take a lot of, uh, a lot of supplements, but um, oftentimes you get people who come to us and they just have this laundry list of supplements and then you ask them, how's your sleep? Oh, I get three hours a day. Oh, well, you've got it completely ass backwards then because the big rocks in the jar are your macro or energy uh, balance, macros, uh, sleep, and then you can start worrying about all the other little things. And if that, and those are most of those supplements are so far down the list when people are taking intra-workout BCAAs and this supplement and pre-workout and this and that. It's like just get yourself behaving like a normal human being first, eating a diet that's permissive for the goals that you have, and then you can start dialing that in. But you get a lot of people like that. So an overarching theme in a lot of this and something that I've encountered in working with Ian is sustainability. Now, when you start off people and say, okay, like, what are your goals? When those goals are reached, how do you maintain, like, how do you have them then set new goals? Do you have them, like, what is, because what is the, like, the attrition rate? Or how do you overcome that? Like, okay, now we're here. Now it's like, this is almost a scary place because it's like, if you have nothing to strive for, then are you going to revert back to your old habits? Um, so, I mean, we get a wide spectrum of people. So we get people who, have a very specific goal and that's all they want us for. Um, oh, and I should preface it by saying it's not our job to set goals for clients. It's our job to hear what their goals are and then do the best we can to help them achieve those goals. So you'll get some people who come in and their goal is I've got a vacation in six months and I don't want to look like crap on the beach. And that's all they, they want the service for. We can help them with that and then they're gone and that's fine. Hopefully they, you know, they got the value they wanted out of it and they move on. Um, we have people who stay with us indefinitely forever just because they like the, uh, the idea of having someone who they can check in with, uh, it helps with adherence and accountability and things like that. Uh, and then we have people who want to actually learn, uh, about the process and how to do it themselves, uh, so that they can go on and do it themselves and aren't dependent on us. And that's really our goal is to help educate our clients to eventually move on and do it on their own. Because uh, that's the ideal situation. Most people end up with a nutrition coach because they are a nutrition coach or coaching service because they they have no idea what they're doing. What they're doing isn't working, and now they need the help of someone else. So we kind of want to put the power back in the hands of people to to go on and and live their lives with as little extra time spent as possible worrying about what they're eating. Is it hard as a coach not taking it personal while still taking it serious? What do you mean? Like, like if someone doesn't listen to you, if someone or, doesn't listen, or like, because you know there are people out there who who need this service, right? Yeah. And like, not need it because, like, you know, I like cheesecake, but I also like competing at two forty two. Ian, Daniel, please fucking help me. I'm an <laughs> asshole. Like, like need it in the sense that, like, dude, like you could die. Like, mm-hmm. and there's kids. You see it at meets, even at you know twenty, thirty years old. It's like. You know, you were two twenties. Now you're two seventy fives. We're we're creeping into the three oh eights. You're like, running out of weight classes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like you can only go super handsome for so long. It's like, is it hard to you know, like in studying what little I've studied about like behavior change, right? Just from like a mindset standpoint, is it hard as coaches to sit back on the other end of a computer and be like, you need to take this serious? And and on the flip side of that, if and when they don't, is it hard to not take that personal? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can only help them so much. Uh, we're not babysitter, babysitters. 
the people we work with are adults. But it's our job to kind of figure out why, why they came to us and get them to kind of understand like they didn't just pay for a service or they maybe paid for the service but inspected or inspected uh, results like the 50 you know just immediate we're just going to tell them what to do they're going to do it but it, it's on them to get the work done but it, it's our job to kind of talk to them and figure out their whys and get them to kind of maybe come up with their own suggestions so we can give suggestions for sure but they may not be uh, like applicable to that person or um, be in line with what they're already doing so something that we try to really push is ask that person if they love cheesecake, what's an alternative? Well, how can we meet in the middle? What kinds of foods can you turn to instead? Or what, how can we get you to turn to another behavior that uh, you, or another reward that you would enjoy that might give you the same satisfaction uh, as the cheesecake would? So that way we can uh, um, maintain that adherence and get this person where they want to be. Get them away from turning to food and just ask them, put the, put the ball in their court. What kinds of ideas, what kinds of suggestions do you think you can come up with? And then we'll go back and forth and kind of work on those. And uh, so something I try to do with my clients is uh, ask them, so they have their major goals, but I'll ask them to come up with uh, behavior goals. And then behavior goals for the week um, and an action plan to come uh, to how they're going to uh, complete those goals. And then um, uh, tell, uh, let me know how, the, uh, trying to put that action plan, uh, uh, how that action plan uh, goes that week. Yeah. So someone who, for example, wanted to reduce their alcohol intake, their goal would be reduce alcohol intake. Uh, their action plan would be go out once a week. Or um, when they go out, every other drink is a glass is water. Um, and then they let me know exactly how that went. I only went out once a week. Um, and then they, they let me know whether they were able to have that one, or that one every other drink. Or uh, maybe uh, one client of mine actually realized that they, they don't need the alcohol to have a good time. They were able to go out and disassociate alcohol with going out, you know, or having a good time. They could just be present in the moment sort of thing. And that was a, took a couple of weeks, but we finally got there after having this, this goal action plan and how that played out. Do you guys have specific cases that jump out in your mind, specific clients that like you revert back to that, like whether or not the results were profound to anyone else, maybe like psychological breakthroughs were profound for you and that client. Like what is your go-to, like what is your most... And you, you don't mean devoid of saying names or anything like that, but like, what's been the most fulfilling part of doing this as part of your careers? When people reach out and they let us know that they've been able to uh, maintain the results, um, that we were able to um, get them to a point where they actually learn those habits, those behaviors, and make it into um, fit into their daily lives, where they were able to stay take a step back from tracking uh, and just be comfortable with how they're eating and uh, be be satisfied. It's also uh, pretty rewarding when you see clients that had a really good experience uh, with the program going on and deciding that because of that, they want to start doing something like that themselves. So we have clients who, after you know signing up with us and working with one of our coaches, they start studying more about nutrition. They go into, uh, we've had clients who have gone into master's programs uh, for nutrition or they decide they want to become uh, uh, RDs uh, and, and stuff like that, uh, and that's really cool when you're able to make an impact on someone who, um, you know, didn't really have any interest in that at all, and because of the experience they had, they they want to help others as well, and that's pretty cool. Um, also, obviously, huge transformations is is a big one when you take someone who's at a high risk, uh, like high risk body weight, uh, really bad health markers, and you're able to. Uh, 
again, put the control back in their hands. That's uh, a really, really cool and unique thing uh, to be able to do as a nutrition coach. And for people looking to get started with hybrid nutrition, what's the go? Where do they find you guys? Uh, you can go to www.hybridperformancemethod.com. Click the nutrition tab uh, if you want a free uh, ebook that kind of explains the, what's expected of you as a client, uh, as a nutrition client, and what your coach is going to do for you. Uh, or go to the store section if you want to sign up for the program. Uh, on Instagram, you can find us at Hybrid Performance Method. Um, and you can find all the other things through there. We'll do the whole link in hmm. bio or however yeah. it works on, on podcasts. Um, yeah, no, I, I appreciate you guys coming on. And like, we don't, I mean, those of you guys who listen to us for a while, we don't have sponsors. We don't deal with anyone. We, do, we usually spend most of our time shit talking everyone in the industry. So like <laughs> if for you guys to come on, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't have you guys on if I didn't endorse and believe in, and was able to sit in a car with you guys for 26 hours without sure. even dying. Um, I highly suggest you guys check this out. Um, because if you listen to me talk, you know, um, I know nothing about nutrition, um, but I know, I know enough to know to find people who do. Um, and this, this would be it for me. So hybrid performance method.com. Mm -hmm. I think the ebook is helpful because it's like setting realistic expectations and I think that's something in looking around you don't see enough um, because that's out of the gate it's like okay this is the onus is like this isn't a fit T solution like this is a sustainable long-term solution and here's your role and how this plays out long term um, I think that's huge and definitely sets you guys apart in the space so I can't can't recommend this enough um, hey I, we didn't even get the names Hayden, oh. Hayden, Bo, Francesco. <laughs> I appreciate important. it. Yeah, we'll put it all in the thing. Right. <laughs> Someone will do it. It gets up somehow. I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, I appreciate you guys having me out. Appreciate you guys coming on and taking the time. Thanks for having us. Thank you.